We are 25. We can rent a car. <laughs> it took me a second to think about that. We, <laughs> we are. I just turned 25. What are you talking about? So young, so fresh. Yeah. Um, we are going to dive straight into it today, babes, because we've got a lot for you. It's been a minute since we recorded. I um, know. This episode is loaded. Locked and loaded. <laughs> um, I am Maddie Germs. And I'm Shawnee. And we are two queer babes talking about mental health, pop culture, and whatever the hell else we want. And we are this month's featured podcast on Open Signal PDX. Hey. And we're talking about boundaries today, bitch. Let's go. Um, what's up, slut? I have a question for you. Shoot. What is your favorite thing about fall or oh. autumn? Well, you know it's those pumpkin spice lattes. I'm joking. It's- <laughs> you did go to Starbucks today, bitch. I did, but not to get that. Um, what's your Starbucks order? It's a dirty chai. Oh. I like my chai's dirty. Me too. Yeah. Delicious. Um, but that's not my favorite thing about fall or autumn. Um, I mean, aside from my birthday, I guess. Does my birthday even? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that falls in fall. <laughs> Duh. Um, sweaters. Mm-hmm. And turtlenecks. I know yep. some people consider that a winter item. No. Depending on where you are. But I think turtlenecks, specifically. They're or a any great kind of neck layer. that's like a, that's raised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about yeah, you? Yeah, as I've gotten older, I hate any kind of neck that falls below the collarbone. Yeah, no, why do you need that? My neck doesn't need that much ventilation. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> it really doesn't. Um, I would say that um, while I don't love it all the time, when I am in the mood for a good rain and I'm like sitting in my house and can just like hear it raining outside and it's like, gray especially when i'm in school and i just like need a homework day or something Mm. i'm not tempted by anything else because i'm just inside and i'm just reading i'm just studying i'm just big in my brain see that's a slippery slope though because i feel like i'll not a slippery slope it's like a blessing and a curse it's like two things at once it's a double-edged sword there we go yeah um it's like Oh, it's raining outside. I'm just going to stay here. But then it's raining outside every day for two weeks and you realize, oh, I've just been laying here. (laughs) No, I know. It it is definitely tough to uh, figure out what that means in Portland, I think. And I do miss a longer season of dry leaves and just like being like being in Portland. I remember last um, last fall, I went to meet my family in mm, South Carolina and it was November mm-hmm. and there was still like dry leaves everywhere. And I was like, I saw a dry leaf for half a second in Portland. Oh yeah. <laughs> like the, I'm talking about like the, the like multicolored leaves. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 Like what an actual fall looks like. Yes. Yep. Our, uh, a friend of the podcast, Carlos loves leaves in fall. It's honestly becoming a bit of an issue because I grew <laughs> up, like I grew up with fall being like a thing. Yeah. Like a normal leaves fall off of the trees and, mm-hmm turn different colors and you yeah. rake them up and you jump in them mm-hmm. same so i i don't well we come from excitement. places where there's like variety within the that's true same way with like snow i'm just like yeah it's snowing outside calm yeah. down like why are y'all so excited in texas so sweaters seasonal depression <laughs> let's go all right uh speaking of seasonal depression um let's get into pop culture and politics and what about it 
All right, I think we should just, like, get this bullshit out of the way. This, like, Trump corona saga. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> we literally finished recording. We have, like, we recorded early last episode. So the day we found out Trump got corona was about seven minutes after Shawnee walked out my door after yeah. we finished recording. But... It was uh, like, happy birthday to me. Yay. Yeah. This is exciting. I do want that bitch to die. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, very excited to... All I right. want him to die so bad. Well, we know how you feel about him. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I feel like at this point, I don't know. I mean, I feel like he actually had it, but... Sure. I also don't... I don't... I don't know. I feel like it happened. He had some symptoms i think now we're on the tail end of things and it's feeling like he's probably fine i think that he is coming off as very okay mm. i feel like those videos when he was like okay and he was home he was like literally just like trying not to cough like looking oh, like oh yeah um, that hannity interview was that who it was oh where he was just like coughing the whole interview Oh, my God. I mean, he's just, like, been a super spreader. And then they won't confirm when he had his last negative test because they don't want to admit that he put everyone in danger by going to those first debates. <laughs> like, he conveniently arrived after the, the testing happened. Yeah. And it's just like, well, you know, I mean, I don't want to tell everyone that I don't give a shit about everyone's health. But then all those fucking people were put in that, like, outdoor event, so they were fine. But they were seen, like, kissing and hugging and just being oh Republicans God, together. Of... <laughs> Of, like, everybody just hugging and kissing and, yes. like, whatever. It, Ooh. It's, no. and Stupid. And poor, I mean, poor. That's not what I mean. I, I just feel like we've gotten, like, other um, confirmed Stephen Miller, Kellyanne Conway, Kaylee McKinney. Like, she's, she's like that girl on that meme who has, like, those names crossed off of, like, those white girl names. Oh, yeah, yeah, And it's, yeah. like, October Lee or, Isn't like, she like the new... Brenda Lee or whatever. I forgot what she does now. I can't keep up with the, the White House She's the new um, press person. There we go. She's the new Kellyanne Conway. Who's that one girl? Sanders. Is there a Sarah Sanders? I, th- I don't think she's that person anymore. That's what happened who she to her? Was. Where'd she go? I don't care. I don't care either. I just, it's funny trying to keep up with this administration because I feel like it's, there it is, Huckabee. I heart Huckabees. That's mm-hmm. what made me. <laughs> Anyways, all those motherfuckers have it. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, it, it's hard because it's like, um, the, coronavirus viral things in general are not punishments right like so to wish these upon your enemies is not how viruses work (laughs) and it also um is ableist to like wish illness on people as a form of punishment right well and i take joy in donald trump not being able to breathe (laughs) like i take great joy in it there's a difference here i'm not i never once wished uh, the coronavirus or COVID on anybody. Sure, they made poor but choices. Once it has happened to them, do yeah. I wish them complete and absolute pain? For sure. I mean, <laughs> I'm not wishing that it happened. Sure. But now that it has happened and that's not something I wish for, it's kind of like a, oh, well, that's a nice little surprise. Well, I hope that they're miserable. Sure. If you die, <laughs> that would be a great birthday present to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The initial uh, wish wasn't, I wish they get it. It's, oh, they have it? Well, then. Right. It just, I mean, far down the road. Going down the rabbit hole of discussing the irony of it all is like three weeks ago. There's no need to do that. It just is like, ah, it's just, it's fucked up. It's annoying. I think, um, I mean, for a little bit of karmic balance, honestly, uh, I fully, I almost had to text you today to be like, I don't know if you should come over because earlier this week, 
I was like in school and I just felt like I could not breathe. Oh no. And I was like sitting there and you still have me here. Well, no, I, what the end of the story (laughs) is that I got a test and it was a negative result. So calm down. I'm responsible. (laughs) But what I'm saying is that I realized that I just had really terrible anxiety. And like, I talked to my doctor about it and was like, listen, I feel like I can't breathe. I feel like I can't catch my breath. And then the first time that I thought that I couldn't catch my breath, now my anxiety has kicked in and told me I have COVID. And so now I'm not able to breathe because I'm afraid I have COVID. And I was like, all I know is that my shoulders hurt and I can't catch a deep breath. And he was like, it sounds like tension and stress and anxiety. And I was like, right, but COVID tests are free and I would like one. (laughs) So so that is a way to advocate for your own health. Uh, And honestly, once I got tested, it made me feel a little better, which is like, um, it's a double-edged sword again, because it's like, I can recognize that that is a a privilege of me to be able to advocate with my PCP. That I would like a test and want my knowledge for my own mental health. But there was a solid couple of days. PCP stands for primary primary care care provider. Provider. Physician too. physician, not the drug PCP. Nar, nar, nar. Um, (laughs) Could you imagine? I did PCP (laughs) and thought I had COVID. (laughs) I mean. Um, Poor Claudia Conway is this little 15-year-old trapped in Kellyanne Conway's house who, when she quit the uh, press secretary thing, got on TikTok and was like, my mom's a fucking liar. Trump sucks. (laughs) She abuses me, which is not the funny part. The hard part about this thing is she's also the one that broke that her mother had COVID and was like going around doing stuff while she had COVID, gave her daughter COVID, who was having actual trouble breathing. Yeah. um, And is... It just made me really sad because I remember what it's like to be in a house where conservatism and essentially, I read a tweet that was like, some houses are like conservative dictatorships within their own little bubble. You know, it's like the father is do as I say, there's no like... um, speaking out against it you're basically trapped here you don't have rights like Mm. that's what conservative households can be like you know and there was like videos of kellyanne just like screaming at her daughter on tiktok and she's like trying to keep it cool and being all cute and tiktoky and then she's getting praised all over twitter and like all these other places of like our hero kelly uh what's her name claudia conway and it's like that is a 15 year old girl she does not have the she doesn't get the luxury of being a hero because she is trapped in that house, yeah. you know? And I like, while does that mean we should rescue her? I don't fucking know. I have a lot of empathy for her though. And it makes me really sad that she's having this very public showing of what it means to have no power in your home, Yeah, you know? And that is just, I don't know. There's not much to think about or say there other than that's what that makes me think about you know and it's cool that she's being like fuck you mom yeah (laughs) i think i just appreciate that across the board which Mm -hmm. like also by the way you guys that's just happening that's that's a normal video you can find on tiktok like we're making this a big deal just because like it's kellyanne conway's daughter but i mean i feel like most children are on tiktok making fun of their parents or like calling their fucking parents out right but when the white house says something and then someone who overhears their mother in the next room who used to work for the white house be like that's a fucking lie like we're getting breaking news from a 15 year old on tiktok and for that that i can applaud her i can applaud her for that but i agree with you i feel like also it's a 15 year old i know (laughs) she's just being a 15 year old that's really all it is and yeah and it's kind of crazy not 
crazy. It's cool to me that she, you know, was radicalized on the internet and is, yeah. like, still there and, like, trying to find her ways to protest. I don't know. I find something interesting, and this will probably just be a future subject or something that I toy with in my head, but I just find it super interesting that, to my point, all 15-year-olds are doing this, but, like, why do we expect things differently from... I don't know, politicians' children. Like, they're children as well. Like, they're 15-year-olds as well. Agree. You know? I mean, but there's also... Not that we need an answer for that. But, but, I mean, look at the Trump children. I mean, there's plenty of 15-year-olds who just do what their parents say and agree with their parents. There's all these MAGA kids on TikTok, too. You know what I mean? Like, they get dragged to filth, but they're still there. I think that... I hear what you're saying, that it is a normal experience for a lot of folks to sort of rebel against their children and we're just there's a lot of attention put on this girl because she is who she is yeah and also she's choosing to situate who she is in a way that informs the public more than the white house does like that is that's like it's a little crazy i don't know if it's quote heroic it's something cool yeah i just want her to be protected while she's doing it that's what i'm thinking i agree i agree i don't Um, think there's much Whatever, we'll move on. Yeah, but I mean, okay, so but because of all this bullshit, there's no new presidential debate, which honestly, good. I think we talked about last time how, like, that was just not good for anyone's mental health. It, it was a waste of time. I feel like the VP debate was a little bit more um, informative. I don't know. I mean, Pence just got to do whatever he wanted. He was asked a question and then was able to say whatever the fuck he wanted. And then it was uh, that whole, like, excuse me, I have time. And then the internet is just like, the fly. And, like, that becomes the narrative for the whole thing, which is exhausting because it doesn't deal with anything. Like, why are Republicans and Democrats shaking hands around fracking and RuPaul's in the background? Like, fuck it, yes! (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I feel like they're... I forgot what the line was, but somebody was just like, yeah, the vice presidential debate was better than the presidential debate, but mm-hmm. also, like, everybody just talked about what they wanted to talk about. I no know. actual questions were answered. And, you know, I was holding out a little bit of hope for the VP debate because I was like, well, these two have a little bit more sense than the one other person. Well, actually, both people, like, in the presidential debate. But, nope, here we are. And then I thought to myself, this is just the America we live in. Like, this honestly, Nightmare. at this point, has nothing to do with our leaders. It no. has to do with the fact that America, this is what you people want. This is what you tune in for. You want the drama. You want the ridiculousness. You want the circus. Mm -hmm. You don't want the actual, like, I'm not saying every single person in America, but we're obviously here for a reason. And it's not anybody else's fault other than our own. So, like, I don't know. Sometimes I don't know what the expectation is when you put these Mm -hmm. people on stage. It's like, this is what you want. It was a circus. So this is what you're getting. You don't now get to turn around and be like, well we were expecting them to have a little bit more of like an intellectual debate. It's like, mm-hmm. what made you think that was going to happen just mm-hmm. because you put them on a stage? So, or that Kamala's going to come in there and like fucking crush him. Yeah. And it's like, she can't... As much as I have qualms about that woman and like do not appreciate her record, <laughs> I can also be like, she also is not given the luxury of being a crusher. If she does that, she is then viewed as a bitch or like... yeah. An angry black woman. Now, if AOC whatever, was you know? up there, I'd be like, probably would still be a circus because she would just have to like rebut, rebut, rebut. But she does that so well. Okay, but that, like both sure, sides that's... at this debate also are like scared to say her name. Like if they say it three times fast, she'll show up like Beetlejuice. <laughs> like they like talk about the Green New Deal, New Deal, and then like we'll be like AOC. 
Like, like they're like they're fucking terrified of her. They're so afraid of her, and I love it. I know, I, I know, I know, I know. We'll see. I mean, the future right now feels very bright for her, and I. She did some cool her. stuff this week around education, around Black Panther Party, um, and the work that they did with uh, feeding children and things like that. I feel like some things that are left out around that narrative are in order to distance themselves from the militant arm of the Black Panther Party that uh, there's a lot of talk around like the quote good that they do, which they did. It was awesome. It was like amazing. But there was also education programs and there was also militant arms because those were righteous, violent acts. You know what I mean? As opposed to reframing those things as justified, it just gets like, it's like, it's not an either or, it's a both and, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so I, I I find it interesting when politicians are reclaiming that in some ways. And so it's like I can find coolness around that. And then I also am a little bit suspicious when she's posting pictures of like the free lunch programs and then like whatever she's doing like side by side. Like she's, she's not black. She's like watch it a little bit like watch it a little bit with these direct comparisons of black panther party but um i don't know i mean the biggest thing for me is you know um two folks in the supreme court releasing like extreme anti or extreme desire to overturn obergefell um which gave us gay marriage and i think a lot of folks are talking about how it most likely won't happen with a direct overturn. It'll happen with these other cases coming into the Supreme Court, like one that's going to be seen right as soon as the election happens. I think it's like on November 4th is Fulton versus the city of Philadelphia, which is about adoption agencies being able to deny queer folks um, placement um, if the adoption agency chooses because it goes against their religious beliefs, but it also could open ourselves up to a larger thing beyond the LGBTQ community and discriminate against Jews, Muslims, Mormons, whoever is not quote Christian enough to adopt children. And that'll be the way that a burger fell kind of gets broken apart piece by piece, which is why as frustrated I am with Kamala and fucking Joe goddamn Biden, <laughs> we do have to unfortunately think about these things within the Supreme Court because RBG has been not been gone seven minutes and they're already like, all those fucking things you fags got, we're taking them away. We're taking them away. Oh we're getting God. them out of here. <laughs> you know, what's funny, <clears throat> I was just thinking about this whole time. It's not really that funny. It's very serious. Um, so when I, was in, when I was in high school, I got an A plus in, um, I think we went, it was like world history, like world history two, then U.S. history, and then like U.S. government. Uh-huh. Or maybe the last, the last two were switched. Sorry. It was U.S. government and then U.S. history. I don't know why they did it in that direction. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was a scam. Anyways, I killed it at the two world histories. And like, even after my sophomore year, they were like, we're going to put you going into your junior year into AP US government. Oh, yes. And I was like, fuck yeah, yeah. I'm smart. I'm smart. Yo, I got to US AP or AP US government and was like, I fucking hate this shit. Mm-hmm. Like, this shit is terrible. And I think I got like a D in that class or like a C. Something that was like one of the worst grades I've ever gotten. But an AP, life. it's like a B. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Not what my mom thought. So. <laughs> um... And then the next year, I was just, like, in, like, a normal U.S. history class. But also got an A in. 
And then I thought about it and I'm like, I don't think it was that the U.S. that the U.S. government class was necessarily difficult. I think that I really just truly, A, had a racist professor and B, I'm realizing that. And B, also was just like, this shit is like complicated and there seems like there's a lot of people's feelings involved and I don't have time for that. And you're lying to me. And you're lying to me. (laughs) So how about I'm just going to check out of this class altogether, which is what I did. And I'm realizing now as an adult that like, I still don't really like politics or government at all. I think it's all stupid like stupid but like it's all really important and you do such a good job at like explaining and breaking it down because i Mm. understand it more now as an adult than i did in high school i think that uh that is intentional i think that uh not not on my part i think i I think that (laughs) i I think that are you behind my curriculum as a child um, (laughs) i'm 87 years old and i've been crafting your demise since you were born it checks out Uh uh-huh um okay speaking of checking out um what are what have you been listening to this week What's up with music? Honestly, what have I been listening to this week? <clears throat> I've been listening to... I've been listening to a lot of just, like, older stuff or, like, things that have been out that I'm blanking on the names of right now. But I also was listening to the Blackpink... The, okay. The album by Blackpink. I think it's just, like, their first, like, real debut. Okay, so they've been a, a group... And then they... They've been a group for, like, a minute. I feel like they've been out for, like, two or three years. And they've just had, what, singles and... Singles, features, maybe they've released an album in Korea somewhere, but Mm -hmm. I feel like this is their first, like, international debut. Okay. And they... Blackpink the album. Blackpink the album. So I've been listening to that. It's very, I mean, if you don't know who Blackpink is, K-pop, girl group, Mm -hmm. they were on Gaga's um, Sour Candy. Sour Candy. Yeah, single on the album. And then they have a song out with Selena Gomez, Miss Selena Gomez, who's starting to look her age finally. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't like that song. That's understandable. I don't like it's like lollipop or something. Ice cream. Uh huh. But I mean, might as well be the same. Thing. Drip, drip, sour yeah, yeah. candy. Yeah, ice I don't. Cream, <laughs> ice cold, cream. dripping. Yeah. And that's honestly also what the album is. Okay. Like, not necessarily the ice cream song, but I was saying this earlier. It's just like words that rhyme together to like a really like upbeat beat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it's like it's it's making you feel good music. It makes it's you, making you feel good music. Like you're not listening to rising. that to like. Think. I don't know, get some d- to think or get some <laughs> deep understanding about the world or sure. love or life. You're listening to it because it's just like... To feel good. It's I want to jump around the room and just like have fun. I mean, K-pop, I think, specifically took the heart of what we understand as kind of bubblegum pop and was mm-hmm. just like, we're going to do this the best way. My only problem with K-pop is like when they like blackfish it a little bit and like everyone like... When they you start know, rapping and it gets yeah, and they use the N word like the all voice. that stuff is a little rough. But I I uh, I don't think Blackpink does this. I'm just admitting. Oh, I was like, say, like no, no, no. You point me to the Blackpink song. I'm talking where about they K-pop say. in general, but I'm glad uh, you enjoyed it and it was good. I enjoy it, and they have a song with Cardi B, which is I got a lot of hype when the album was coming out. I listened to it; it's fine. I think it was just because I think that's Cardi the one I listened B. to where I was like, I don't know, I don't think I'm in the mindset to like this right now. I'm gonna come back to this album when I need that endorphin, like when I need yeah. that just like. You just need a mood lifter, bitch. <laughs> well, even that song in particular is just like okay. Like mm-hmm. I prefer the other songs that aren't ice cream because we know your feelings about that. Um, because I mean, again, they're still very like sugary pop, but like I think when you actually remove the features for Blackpink, they do a little bit better. Or if they're cool. featured on somebody else's song, but I feel like the Selena Gomez song, the Cardi B song are okay, but the stuff where it's just them. 
I'm really super into. I wonder if some of that too is like not just international relations kind of stuff, but is also COVID stuff. Like if there was actually more opportunity for actual collaboration mm. instead of like studio, send something, you studio, which I know is how a lot of music collaborations work, but I feel like the best ones are when the people actually get to talk. Sit and, like, in the same room right? and like figure out the sound, figure out what they're right. going to do. And it's also just like they're a girl group with a lot of girls and they all have a line. Like they all sing or do something in a song. So when you start adding on more people, it's like, okay, there's too many people singing this on this busy. track. Yeah. <laughs> That's cute. I, I am going to get into it. I have been excited by other people's excitement of it. I just, I haven't... I tried it for like a minute, I think one song, and I was like, hmm, not right now. But I also, will... pop isn't for everybody, I've learned. I mean, but it's for me. I love <laughs> I love pop music. All right. Um, I am obsessed right now, though, because Amber Riley from Glee and other things has rebranded herself as just capital Riley. And All caps. All has caps. released a new EP. I think she, when I found this this week, it looks like some of these songs had come out over the summer, and I just like... I feel like no one told me about it. I didn't have any awareness of this. But I want to know who's on her team and why they're not working hard enough. I mean, she is such a fucking talent and honestly seems super cool and level-headed and, like, funny. I, it, I mean, maybe just before there wasn't, like, Lizzo's and these other... Which, I mean, mm. I hate to always, like, make connection to big girls and then say Lizzo, but it's just, like, in the, in the scheme of... I mean, Adele's skinny now. You know what I mean? Like... I feel like and Jasmine Sullivan apparently. Oh my god! Oh right. Um, I feel like for her, the industry has not always known how to market bigger women, and but she's so cool. The songs are so good. I feel like they're very kind of like SZA mixed with some like '90s R&B kind mm-hmm. of feel. Like mm-hmm. um, there's definitely like a sexiness that also is soulful. It's fun. With a new sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if it's, I mean, the EP is like 18 minutes. Give it a listen, Riley. Yeah. Um, also, just I want to just quickly shout this stuff out. Jungle Pussy has a new song called Main Attraction that's so good. It, Ooh, I need to listen to that. I, it, it's really cute. <laughs> this is the only time you'll ever hear me say this. I, not the only time I like Jungle Pussy, but it's the only time you'll hear me say anything about liking pussy. There okay, okay. <laughs> uh, um, Cupcake has a new song, Elephant. Do you like Cupcake? I think so. I love her. I think uh, I was really happy. I was worried that, you know, she she got the mental stuff of fame really get to her. You know, she kind of had this public breakdown and was like, I'm not coming back to music. I'm done. (laughs) Every artist go through that. I know. I know. But I think especially (laughs) the internet ones that kind of come up from nowhere and get a lot of like clout really quickly and a lot of praise. And then there's suddenly criticism. They're like, I don't know what to do with this shit. Are they a Libra? I feel like. That also feels. I don't know. I mean, she's she's raunchy <laughs> as fuck. She raps like, I, also very humor filled. Like almost everything is a joke. But my main thing that I love around this um, song is one of the lines she says. Uh, dudes get a haircut and a Gucci belt. They want to flex in their shitty clothes. Whole time, dude's money shorter than to- Tory Lanez on his tippy toes. Which, um, fuck Tory Lanez. <laughs> like, I feel like we've done a lot of long saga about how much we hate Tory Lanez. But, um, despite my deep belief in abolition, I also am a complicated human being and am taking great joy in the possibility of him facing 22 years, which, um... Is Take a lot him. It's fine. taller of a <laughs> sentence than I thought he would be, you know, capable of. Um, oh, also, Tobacco, which is like 
very uh, noisy, lo-fi. It's honestly, it comes from like my college days mm-hmm. and people much cooler than me inviting me to shows. And I remember just being invited to this tobacco show. I'd never heard them before. And there was just like projections of like E.T. porn in the background while these like really hard stuff was playing and I was just like this I, I'm never gonna have a cooler moment I, I'm, thankfully I did but like in that moment I was like I think I was probably like 19 I was just like wow anyway they released a new uh, album called Headless to Headless that's really cute you know that just backs up the lesson in life that you meet the people that you need to meet when you need to meet them agree <laughs> I'm happy that we met at this age. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. I, I, at first I was just like, sure. And then I got the read and I receive it and I appreciate it. Um, for your birthday, you got a gift. What? Venti. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You're like, I guess. People love me. I received things. Yeah. I no, Miss Brianna Fenty. She gave you a fashion she show. She gave me a fashion show on my actual birthday. It was great. That's it. That's all I have to say about it. No, it was amazing. I feel like um, I might have actually enjoyed this one a little. Like, they're definitely on par with each other, the first one and the second one. I feel like I might have liked this one more solely based on the fact that, and maybe you called this out, there was no audience. So it felt mm-hmm. like like no physical live audience mm-hmm. was there. So it felt more like the camera was trained yes. on the models and the artists, and the artists were just focused on the camera versus yes. needing to entertain a group of people that were probably sitting behind that camera. And therefore, it felt a little more like tight, buttoned mm-hmm. up. Um, I was getting like the attitude and personality that I actually wanted from everybody yes. versus people are screaming in the background, so I just have to like match that energy. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's hard to match like sexy energy to like people clapping and like- It's also hard to choreograph with the live audience. It's yeah. also hard to choreograph with, honestly, the first one had some shitty performances and like this one, they allowed them to have backing tracks, which like some mm-hmm. people view as a cop out. I think I could hear live vocals on top of the, backing track a lot of the times rosalia's thing was great rosalia was amazing bad bunny was it was fun it was a little weird i feel like i wanted i think that if we had gotten an snl performance like that yeah that makes sense to me this was a perfect time for him to be sexy like which i get it's kind of his joke is like a middle finger of like oh i'm i'm sexy everywhere and even on this song in my music video i dressed up in drag and like you couldn't play on it at you should all have done that yeah. like imagine if he just wasn't in drag but was just himself in women's lingerie like yeah. performing yo sola like i don't know it was cool i think um i really liked it i loved the um I, speaking of lizzo i love lizzo's part mm-hmm. i loved seeing um Shay motherfucking Kool-Aid. I know. And Jada Essence Hall. I know. But Shay Kool-Aid. But Shay Kool-Aid. Shay Kool-Aid. I mean, Jada was in there for a split second. Mm-hmm. Like, I blinked and Shay also got, her. like, a background. She got to be, like, a mod. Like, she, she got to got, be a mod. She got speaking parts. She got, like... She was featured. There was too much Gigi good for me. She was there. I think, um... I mean, she was there twice, and I was like, I... Thank you. Oh, really? I only saw her once when she was behind Shea Coulee. She was there, and then she showed up again, I think, later oh. with somebody else. Honestly, um, G- I thought Gigi looked amazing. She, though, like, looked 
terrified. Which, if I had to watch Shea Coulee go right before me too, I think oh, yeah. I would look scared. I would look very scared. Um, um, that was amazing. I think my only like heady kind of qualm is like you're on Amazon. You're making kind of fast fashion. Is it the best look to have like a factory with brown people work, quote working in it mm. as like a feature of the show? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. And I agree with you that this, it flowed a lot better. The background interviews are better. Even if we get Rihanna, like, you know, I love Miss Robin Rihanna Fenty, but I also find sometimes her, like, narratives, diary entries around artistry to be a little bit like, Yes, you look at things. Like she spent like seven minutes talking about feeling fabrics and it's just like, yeah, that's what that's what fashion is. That's like, what you have to do. It's like what it is. <laughs> it like I, I think it's cute when she is a, a, attempting a sort of like poetic voiceover and it's just like very basic yeah, observations like, about the thing. So it doesn't make fashion, me love it any less. You have to start with a a vision in your head. And it's right. like you, yeah, I have seen like fashion new... documentaries before. <laughs> like, and then the feeling when you're just like sketching that out on a book, right. and then looking at it when it's done is just right. great. And it's like, okay, that I think we know this the first step, right? Which unfortunately I think speaks to this idea that like what she has is raw talent; mm-hmm. it is untaught talent, and so it then becomes hard to articulate when you you just feel it. Like, and that's the thing is that she just feels it. She just sees it. She just goes for it. But I, I wish she would refrain of trying to explain it because she doesn't do a great job of it. But I, I thought it was a... I loved it. I, I liked the first one a lot, and I thought that this was definitely a good evolution. I agree. I Two thumbs up, 10 yeah. stars, 5 stars. Mm-hmm. Go watch it if you haven't. It's honestly... Mesmerizing is a good word. Because I was in my phone when it first started texting somebody, mm-hmm. and... Um, my friend was like, are you really just going to text during this? And I looked up, literally just for like a second, wasn't planning on putting my phone down. Like, mm-hmm. looked up and was just like, oh, it's like my pupils dilated. And yep. I was like, all right. And the phone just went away for, I think it's an hour. Yeah. Like, for the rest of that hour, I was just like, yeah, I'm just in this right now. Whoever that was I was texting yeah. is just going to have to wait. I had to do the same thing. I took half an edible and then smoked a bowl on top of it and just like put my, <laughs> like, put my phone down. And I was like in that. I felt like I was in it. And I was yeah. like... I can't even, I can't even think about anything else in these like colors right now. But also, you blink or look down at your phone for half a second and you miss Paris Hilton. You yeah. like blink and you move someone. You, you miss you miss Willow. You miss... Oh my god, so good. Willow was great. So uh, good. we could literally spend the rest of this episode just this episode is about the cameos, <laughs> all the cameos that were in. It. If you haven't seen it, please go watch it. Like you're doing yourself a disservice. Meg did that. great on SNL, and she got up there and said. Fuck that DA from Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to play this clip really quick. Who taught you to hate yourself? Put the devil in your head. Turn the souls of your feet. Daniel Cameron is no different than the sellout Negro that sold our people into slavery. We need to protect our black women and love our black women. Um, and yeah, she did amazing. I thought the so performance good. was good. Yeah, she the, looked great. The set design was great. I, 
I am pretty sure that those were names of black women that had been. They were. Okay. Yeah. Like it was hard to make them out. That was my only qualm with it. I was like, right. you can't. It's more design than it is like making sure people can read the names. But but still to a be nice this, homage like... and like to take her time to take her platform on that mm-hmm. stage knowing I think that was her first time maybe yeah absolutely and like she's had a great year but she also is still limited to people who pay attention to TikTok and black women in general you yeah. know what I mean like I think to be able to instead of taking that stage on SNL which a lot of young artists do especially after a good year which is like hello everyday America this mm-hmm. is who I am mm-hmm. it's meant to make you more palatable she decided to take that moment and say protect black women I just thought that was so fucking cool and it killed me this took me out because I was like well this was pointed on like she did this on purpose but like she said protect black women and she said and protect black men right all during this Tory Lane stuff, and I just found it all very like, mm, yeah, that was definitely there, left there on purpose. Smart. Like, just Smart. to be like, fool, I wasn't even trying to do this to you, and you did it to yourself. I'm sure. trying to protect you still. Yep. yep. Still. I tried. You couldn't stop running your mouth. Ugh, fuck Tory Lane. I hate him so much. Anyways. Um, she also broke up with um, her fashion EJ. Her, like, stylist? Mm hmm. Oh, good. I know. Thank God. She had a good... T- there was a moment where it made a lot of sense in summer, but, like, he had her out here looking like a wrestler all the time. Like, she was, like, WWE all the time. It's like, time. we need to see her in and listen, fashion. And listen, I know that she is, like, a cosplay anime girl. Yes. Like, loves it. And that's fine for her to do in her But she looks time. beautiful in everything that she's in. You do not need to put her in a bra. I, we talked about this on another episode. Yeah. He, she was, he was just putting her out there in just cloth bras. Like, yeah. Not even four. It's just like the same. I mean, it's honestly the same kind of shit that, and not to bring up Drag Race, but it's just like, I don't need to see you show up again in like a uh, um, bodysuit or sure. like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's all it is in a different color. With it's a actually not like, even about the cut. thing. It's that there isn't variety in the thing. Exactly. Right. That's all I needed. I'm excited about that. Good. And I feel like every artist at some point that makes it big, and this is sort of like a testament to them becoming bigger is Mm -hmm. they at some point get rid of that team because you do at some point outgrow the initial team that you're with and it's nothing against the team it's Mm -hmm. that like there has to be an elevation that right and you have to keep up with sort of your own success and i feel like if you stick with the same team and they're not catching up fast enough then Mm -hmm. like it's okay to let them go it's nothing personal you just have to keep up with what the attention people are giving you and i can't remember who i read about who did this recently and i i think that this is what if I ever, like, you know, um, <laughs> if that's ever a thing that, like, God blesses me with, I feel like um, what I would hope I would do was bring people in and then if I need to outgrow it or if I need to elevate, I would hire someone else and let my friend or person that came up there with be mentored by that person. Yes. And so that way we're all elevating together. Yeah. I There's someone who I heard about recently that had done that and I thought that was so fucking cool. Also, Taraji P. Henson was on the talk and she was talking about mental health awareness specifically around being uh, of menopausal age and premenopausal age and how she was having these mood swings and didn't have an understanding of what it was and then it felt like a very isolating experience and I just thought it was really cool that she took her whole time on this episode to just talk about black women's mental health and bringing that up and I just wanted to shout that out I thought that was cool um I love Taraji a couple Netflix things <gasps> the Duchess on 
Netflix with Catherine Ryan is so cute. Is it? Yeah, it's like she's a um, a UK woman. It's kind of like Gilmore Girls, but she's got like a younger girl. And um, they talk like adults to each other, but it's all very fashion. It's based on her stand-up that she's done. It's like this character of this kind of like smarmy-mouthed single mom. Like she's the kind of mom that will call the other mom at the school a cunt to her face. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of the thing. <laughs> it's very cute though. It's like eight episodes, I think. I love it. Also, Michelle Buteau's Netflix special. That I watched. That was so good. I love her so much. She's hilarious. She I steals think... every scene that she's in. Yeah. I Whatever these movies is she's working on, I'm like, give them to me. Because like, mm-hmm. I'll watch you do anything. She had a podcast for a while. Mm-hmm. For I think like, That's how I like heard about her. Or two. And I had heard about her before then. And I don't remember what I had seen her on that just had me like cackling. But she's somebody that has like been around for the last few years. If you don't know who Michelle Buteau is, she's also been like a, just a side character, and then yeah, she's been in a lot of side. Like, but every time you watch it, you're like, "Well, that was the funniest part of this whole thing." She's was played her a lot three of lines like, in this. Kind of, I might even call her big because she's not big. She's just as I feel like she's normal weight or whatever that is. Um, but she's always like kind of labeled or like uh, typecast as like the black kind of big yeah. girl. Best I mean, she's friend. got huge titties and giant hair. Yeah, but I mean, part of her stand-up was her being, like, from, like, the knees down. Like, I look like a skinny woman. A tiny white woman. Yeah, She's a tiny like white, a white woman. woman like, ankles. look at this ankle. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. But yeah. um, she's great. I love when she talks about her Dutch husband and just, like, their relationship because it is so odd. And just, like, yeah. not that I know anything about what it's like to date a white person from a completely different, from, like, a European country and mm-hmm. being, like, black in America. But just how she paints the chemistry between them is just like I'd watch you two just like make toast in the morning and see just how many issues you guys run into I just feel like Netflix specials can kind of be it's hit or miss they give one to anybody honestly yeah and she did a great job you want a Netflix special? sure okay QBT Netflix special speaking (laughs) into existence Um, Um, I want to talk about this House of Bly stuff next week that's why I okay never mind oh Go. Well, I, when you brought up Netflix, I gasped, not because that's of the Duchess. <laughs> okay. No, talk about it, talk about it, let's go. Um, just because of House of Bly Manor, or The Haunting of Bly Manor. Oh, that's what it's called. Yeah, it's it's good. I mean, if you like the first, The Haunting of Hill House, um, it's that, just in a different house with a different, the same cast with some new additions in it takes place in the 80s instead of, mm-hmm. I guess, current day, which is always just like a fun little twist. They got that poor girl walking around in some jeans. <laughs> there's she's a walking lot around like high waisted jeans. There's a lot this. of cool fashion that she's wearing. And then some of that stuff, though, I'm like, yeah, you look like you're wearing a diaper, mama. <laughs> there's also a really well, I don't know. I'm not far enough in to know if this is an actual storyline, but there seems to be a like lesbian storyline. Oh, yeah. Like a absolutely plot b i'll say i think i'm on episode like four or five i will say i hated the first episode me too i because what it was and i have my least favorite horror genre is americans in a house pretending to be british that is my least favorite horror genre Mm. of like you get like two little bratty kids and you tell them to say words like this and then you're like okay be scary and like perfectly splendid yeah like the only <laughs> the only version of that that i like is the others with that little girl who's like you're not my mother or whatever the fuck oh my God, or i am your daughter that's what it is and um i <laughs> uh, but with this I, the first episode came out and i'm like oh my god it's just every friend from hill house with a british accent hate that it took me about like about halfway through episode two i was like 
okay, I'm a little bit interested. And so I've mm-hmm. continued watching mm-hmm. it, but I think the accents are terrible. I, I think the they're really bad. are pretty bad. Aside from... Um, but the, as the story goes on... Oh, that black woman's great. The black woman with the... Bo- <sighs> fade. Head. There we go. I'm not going to call her bald because she has a little bit of hair there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with the fade. First of all, she was in another show called... Oh, God. It was on HBO. Something about the years. Year, year after year or like whatever. It's honestly a really good show. If I can remember the name of it, um, we'll put it in the thing. But years and years. There we go. That's what it's called. Mm. Anyways. What's that band with that? Huh? There's that band with that faggot. Ollie, Ollie Oxen for you or something. Sure. Years and years. Years and years. Sure. Um, anyway, Doesn't she's matter. in that show and it's about like a family going through the nightmare of 2020 before we even knew it was going to happen. You should check it out. Okay. But she's really good in that. And so when I saw her in this, I got really super excited because I was like, oh, she's actually like a really good actress. She has a very thick accent, but it's... I think that she's the best part of that she's show. She's actually honestly. British though, so it yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I think um, it's cute. I am like, I feel like Right now, I'm still, like, pro Haunting of Hill House a little more, mm-hmm. but I'm still watching it. I haven't stopped watching it. I'm on episode five. I definitely so want to see... I'm going mean, to finish it, it. it. I agree by, like, the end of the second episode. It's like, all right, I'm invested enough that I want to know what happens to these people. I just wish that I could flip a switch and they had American accents. They're just so bad. It's just yeah. very much like, do you guys want to act? Have you guys ever, like, tried acting? That's, like, what it feels like to me. <laughs> it's almost like, what's the point of making, like, what is the actual pool for having this take place in the UK? Because they very easily could have done it in America and just got one actress with a British accent to come in. I mean, and maybe and some the of them are actually British and they were doing an American accent for Hill House. I feel like that happens to me all the time. But I think that British people are better at doing American accents, except for Emma Watson, than Americans are at doing UK accents. But You're that's just me, me. Go through this entire cast. Not We're, right now on the podcast. No, but it's I'm too long. To, we'll do it afterwards. <laughs> going to prove who's British and who's not. I feel like just some stuff to like wrap us up. Uh, I just want to mention Jane Fonda was interviewed by India Moore for Interview Magazine, and she looks incredible. She's who I want to be when I grow up. Unproblematic activist queen. Love her. Kelly Rowland's pregnant on the cover of Women's Health magazine. She looks beautiful. Love her. Nikki had that baby, which both of us didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki and this baby has just been very like she's secret. She's tucked away. <laughs> um, I've seen a lot of memes about people being like, "Ooh, that baby came out as a Libra. Good luck." <laughs> <laughs> just like leave me alone. Z-Way and Monroe Bergdorf uh, are on Times Top Ten Next Generation of Leaders. Like a black trans woman is included in that list. She's uh, Monroe is so amazing. Z-Way has one of the funniest shows of all time. I just watched this week for like entertainment. She does one with um, Alexis Nyers, well, formerly Alexis Nyers of Pretty Wild and Bling Ring, speaking of Emma Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what she does is she makes comedy around the discomfort of talking about race. And so it's kind of like race baiting quote, like that's how it's framed, but it's meant to be people come on and talk about their experiences with whiteness and privilege and then other people come on and she just makes it very funny and I love Z-Way so much I want to see her win 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 um you know I'm here for it it's incredible it's just so it's so fucking good also we don't really want to talk about this we decided before we started but I also just want to say you can't reclaim a Nazi hashtag you can't be white gay people with muscles kissing and hashtagging at Proud Boys and making merch about Proud Boys because all anyone thinks that when when they see that, especially 
your friends of color when they see that they think you're coming out as a Nazi. <laughs> like <laughs> it's like there's. I, well, I, I don't think that. I just think that you're stupid. Well, okay. That's uh, <laughs> either way. Honestly, that's about the same. I think if you <laughs> want to quote clog a hashtag, spread information, spread GoFundMe's, spread other things. You don't have to conflate white homosexuality with Proud Boys when there's already a thing called Gays for Trump. Like, it's confusing. <laughs> like, your intention may be fine, it's confusing. I don't like it. I don't get it. Also, I hate to it. reclaim something, didn't you already have to have claimed it at some point? Does that know how that worked? I don't know. It's just weird. Oh yeah, it wasn't even directed at us, so it's like, why are you grabbing on? Yeah, this? it's I not like it. we've yeah. have we always have gay people always called themselves proud boys? No. Okay, so no, it's fucking stupid. It's not even something that we have affectionately called each other, and it's not something I ever plan on affectionately calling another gay man. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, there's Fuck that. It. Also, I know I said I wasn't going to do it, but I did it. I looked up the cast from The Haunting of Bly Manor. And okay. 85% of them are British. Are British. Ugh. So you just must not like British accents. Uh, okay, you know what? <laughs> that may be true. And that's fine. I'm fine. Thank you for correcting me. I love being wrong. I love feedback. And the one playing the American is actually from Philly. So real American. Okay. So here's what I feel. Um, I think... I like working class British accents, like the ones from Skins. <laughs> I cannot stand a slow ass over enunciating ass British accent. It, like <laughs> any time that a TV show happens with that, it's like basically Kira Knightley. I'm like I'm I'm out. <laughs> like I'm like if Kira Knightley would be great in it, I'm out. <laughs> you heard that here. We will never have Kira Knightley on as a guest. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I kind of want to end this segment, which is long. Th- sorry, thanks. We've been having a great time. Great time. So much fun. Oh, um, you haven't. Well, I guess you did hear from us last week. We haven't heard from each other in like a week. Yeah, I we're in this talk as we, long like, as we, we had a lot to catch up on. <laughs> um, trans activist and journalist Monica Roberts, who uh, founded Trans Griot, died this week. Um, I want to play this clip around her explaining what transgrio is, um, and I'll do that right now. We have black trans folks who are doing amazing things. Far too often, I saw black trans victims being misgendered, using the words man and women's clothing, the chosen name of the trans person in quotation marks. I was fed up with it, and I wanted to role model what good coverage looked like. I felt like uh, the history of trans folks, especially black trans folks, wasn't really told. Griots in West African culture are oral historians who are able to tell up to five centuries of their people's history from memory. One of the missions of Trans Griot is to document our history, good, bad, and indifferent. And it has to be preserved for future generations to know about this. Um, But essentially, I just wanted to honor her because she viewed herself as a storyteller. She understood the idea that telling stories and orally holding stories and holding histories within ourselves is how we preserve where we've come from and our resiliency. And as a, a black woman, I think that she did that really beautifully. And I think the journalism world lost someone awesome. And I, you know, Shani, I think not to at all (laughs) take this woman's story but I think that there is something shared within our intentions of this podcast that she had with her work and that's celebrating queer people 
highlighting our awesomeness, our messiness, our all of it. Um, and so I just wanted to make sure that we remember someone who was doing great work. Next up, we are going to spend some time talking about boundaries. Boundaries, babe. Boundaries. I have to go pee first, though. I hope that wasn't TMI. It's great. Let's go. I'm back from the bathroom. (laughs) You did great, kid. (laughs) Thank you. I was Mm -hmm. really trying there. Really healthy stream. Always. Um, So we're back and we're back to talk about honestly one of my favorite things in the world. I feel like I am, I will self dub myself. Are you a boundaries bitch? I, whoa, I was going to say the king of boundaries, but I'll take a boundaries bitch any day. I'm the boundaries bitch. I feel like. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Spinoff podcast coming. The boundaries bitch. Oh my God. Anyways, I, boundaries, they're important. I think Mm -hmm. that, uh, we have lightly touched on boundaries in past episodes without maybe necessarily calling that out or sometimes we have, but well, that's because a lot of mental health work and therapy work is around, is around boundaries. It's around boundaries. And it has to be because boundaries are probably, and this is why I love them so much because they are to me, the first step that has to happen to keep yourself from feeling overextended, exhausted. Um, They're a way of showing yourself uh, like care and love. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. I feel like boundaries can be this sort of, setting boundaries can be this sort of scary, anxiety provoking, fearful thing for people because they are very much so worried about how other people are gonna take that. Instead of focusing a little bit more on how are you going to take this? Like, how is this helping you out maybe in some way, shape or form? And we'll get into all of that. But I don't know, like, what is your, what is your take on boundaries? Like when you hear boundaries Mm -hmm. and setting boundaries, what does that bring up for you? Um, I think the first thing is kind of like a a practice of Mm -hmm. self-love. I think the second thing is a word I just said, which is practice. I think that I for a very, very long time had extremely malleable, poor boundaries with Mm -hmm. myself, with my parents, with my friendships, all of my relationships, with work, with play. I think that I, especially once I kind of broke free from my parents' rule, I like, I, I had to spend my 20s kind of learning what my boundaries were around things. And that came from a lived experience. I think um, sometimes to know what boundaries you need to have, you kind of have to have things happen. Then you're like, no, not that. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. not that. That can't that happen ever that again. That cannot happen again. <laughs> and, and then I think that um, uh, the other thing that I think about in relationship to that is that boundaries change. Mm-hmm. You know, like boundaries can be something that we have in the moment to protect us in our moment, especially when we are most vulnerable. I think if you are feeling super spicy or super hurt creating firm boundaries can be really helpful to give you that space that you need to heal and then you can loosen those up again once you're kind of feeling more like yourself or you're able to give yourself what you need or what 
your environment was lacking in giving you. Um, I think the first way that I kind of navigated boundaries was really, I like to think that I have a healthy work-life boundary balance. Mm -hmm. Um, I have not always been good at that, but um, I think when I had my first salary job, my work email was on my phone and I kind of was always working. Bad idea. Uh, yep. And, but exactly though, but that that came from me right. doing it and learning it and reeling, realizing this is a bad boundary. Like yeah. it's not good for this to happen. Despite older people telling me you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't be at a party and then suddenly sucked into work because you saw an email. Like that's not healthy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. What comes up for you? Um definitely a lot of the same stuff. I think that for me, I grew up as an only child having a lot of pressure put on me because of that mm-hmm. and because of that also wanting to people please a lot and really 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 make sure that like almost like everybody else I want to make sure everybody else is good like yeah. myself be damned like I don't care if I'm stressed out or overworked or under this pressure like as long as mom is smiling as long as these right. friends are happy or still want to I mean honestly still want to be my friend or like right. some shit like that um, <clears throat> there was a time in life where Similar, there was like no boundary whatsoever. I was doing whatever people were asking me to do. I wasn't sticking up for myself. I wasn't um, sort of raising a flag internally if I was feeling like burnt out or exhausted or just like really unhappy with like how a situation was going down. Um, And after some therapy back in the day uh, before my current therapist and as well as just like truly hitting a place like hitting a wall where it's just like this is just not sustainable like I don't know I don't feel good being so worried about other people all the time I don't feel good about myself anymore like just as a person and also like all this people pleasing is not getting me anywhere in life like I am not I don't feel like I'm growing I don't feel like I'm uh, like maturing or learning something new or anything. It feels like I'm stuck in the same place, just doing the same things for the same people. And I mean, they're chilling. They seem to be fine. Why am I in such a miserable state? And I think that I, I don't even know if there was like some epiphany or if this was like a come to Jesus moment, but like at some point I remember happening in New York specifically, but it was just like, this has to stop. Mm -hmm. So of course, figuring out boundaries, setting them is not an easy thing that one just does. I right. think that you test, you test, you play around, you figure out like what works, what doesn't. And I definitely, I feel like uh, theme of my life, the pendulum is always swinging too far one way and then too far the other. I feel like when I first started setting boundaries, when I sort of hit this wall, it was like too stringent, too mm-hmm. like... <laughs> No, I'm picking three days out of the week that I'm just not talking to people. And then two days out of the week that I like just really strict sort of boundary setting Mm -hmm. that way. Realize that like, well, nobody's thinking needs to be that rigid. Like you need to have a little bit of flexibility. And also like you can't treat every human being like you can't treat all your behaviors like a blanket statement for every single person. Like your relationships are very individualized in this country and because of that you have to sort of attack each relationship a different way which also means you set different boundaries for different people mm-hmm. not based on like you getting something out of them but like you just you know what some relationships are doing for you and whether they're hurting you or helping you and you find ways some people would say to like 
Make sure you have those relationships set up in a way that isn't causing you any more stress or anxiety or negative toxic sort of energy than it needs to or than it should. Yeah. I think um, a lot of that makes a great deal of sense to me. And I think um, good boundaries, healthy boundaries fall somewhere in the middle between highly malleable and deeply rigid, you know, Mm -hmm. because if we have highly malleable boundaries that we never hold anyone accountable to, whether it's ourselves or other people, people are going to believe our boundaries aren't real. Yeah. You know, like they're going to assume they can do whatever you want. They want with you. People are always going to test you. Right. Always. Which, which moves to the rigid side, which is if everyone is always going to test you, you can't lash out and or cut people off for overstepping a boundary when sometimes navigating boundaries is part of the human experience. It's part of the relationship building. You know, mm-hmm. it's part of how we just navigate through the world because I think that um, you know I think something else that's coming to mind around boundaries is that we have to communicate them yes if we have internal boundaries and then people are treating us a certain type of way and then we've never told them how we feel about hey actually this kind of topic is kind of off limits for our friendship like based off of A, B, or C it could be whatever you know like but for whatever reason I don't want to talk about this with you or I I'm feeling deeply triggered by this type of thing right now. Mm-hmm. While I am kind of doing my own thing with my therapist, I just kind of need to not watch movies with, I don't know, what came to mind was like rape scenes or something yeah. like that. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like, I'm gonna, I, I would like to not engage with um, conversations or things around something that's going to like take me to a headspace I don't want to be in. That can be a boundary. Yeah. Um, you can have work. Uh, start to kind of creep into your personal life a little bit and be like, actually, that's not for you. <laughs> that's not for yeah. you. No, my coworkers can't follow me on Twitter. No, you guys can't like uh, come to my birthday party. Like that is not because I don't value as human beings, but like that is that is for me a boundary that I need to make my work life healthy, to make my personal life healthy. Mm-hmm. And when I'm talking about ri- rigidity within that, it's like, Every day is going to bring new information. Every day people are going to bring new context to things that we offer them. And so I think that there is always a need within boundaries to consider that context that something is being brought to you. And so that's what I mean within having something too rigid could potentially cut you off from something great because you made a decision based on information from a month ago. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes absolute sense. And I think that that is just human growth overall like things have to you have to realize that some situation that happened 10 years ago that you might have set a boundary for not to say that will never happen again or that like you set that boundary 10 years ago it's never going to happen again but you also have to open yourself up to the idea that like that was 10 years ago you were a completely different person back then Mm -hmm. maybe you ease up a little bit more on that boundary again maybe it's about wading into the water a little slower like i don't know i'm thinking of the example of I have a boundary where I don't talk about who I'm dating with, like, my parents, let's say. Right. Right? Like, that's That's something that's uncomfortable that I don't want to talk to them about. They take it too far. Or I'm just uncomfortable with it because it's not something we don't agree. It's something we don't agree with me. And it always causes a fight. 
maybe that's something that was happening 10 years ago maybe it's 10 years later and your parents truly just don't give a fuck anymore maybe they've just truly been like oh my god they're just i don't even care what's going on or maybe you have grown a bit more and you're a little bit more like open and free like feel a little bit more free to talk about or care less about their judgment about it or that yeah for any number of reasons but Mm -hmm. the point of it is you should always be coming back to your boundaries and re-examining them and adjusting them to what makes sense for you in your life, right? And again, this is also kind of going back to the accountability episode that we had, Lord knows when, but it should be a two-way street to your (laughs) point, right? Like you should be able to set up boundaries that are keeping, that are protecting you and making sure that you're healthy. And other people should be setting up boundaries for themselves as well. I feel like if your friends and family and loved ones aren't coming to you, have, have never set a boundary with you, then like, I don't know. There's something going on there <laughs> that maybe they yep. need to examine or maybe you need to think like, yeah. what's going on in this friendship that like literally this person can call me at any time of day or what's going on in this relationship that this person literally just feels like right. they can pop up whenever they want to. And that's just not something I'm comfortable with. And not with. because I don't love you, but because I do love you in order for me to offer my best self, my most amount of love that I have for you in order to show that for you in the best way. I need to save some of that energy. Yeah. I need to be able to engage with it by choice instead of being bombarded with it. And so adding boundaries to relationships can sort of sometimes feel like consequence or like um, mm. compartmentalizing. But I think in a lot of ways, it actually is saying, I value this. I want to make it sustainable. The way for it to be sustainable is this way. Yeah. You know, and I think what you're also talking about in terms of the two way street is I can set a boundary and say, hey, friend, I think uh, I was reading something. I think it's a really good way to think about boundaries. So a kind of three step thing of like, I value X. So I need this and I'll honor it by doing this. Or if it is not honored, I will, you know, leave or we can't see each other now or I won't text you on these days, whatever, you know, some kind of not necessarily a consequence, but saying like, I value, I need, so I will honor. So I'm saying, if you offer someone that, Mm -hmm. they can receive that and be like, that didn't work for me, I'm out. And they have every right to do that. In the same way someone comes to you and is like, "Uh, I don't have boundaries. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have boundaries. I I want our relationship to be completely free and we can do anything and say anything and uh i'll see you whenever i'll call you whenever and that lack of boundaries i can receive that and be like that doesn't work for me and i love you but i'm sorry and i think it those things especially when you have a something deep in your developmental pattern which i think you're talking about which i think i experienced too which is i receive love when i do the right thing Mm -hmm. or I receive love or am loved by people when I have something to offer them which is not a bad thing it can make us resourceful it can make us inventive it can make us uh, a really good person to have around on a camping trip (laughs) you know what I mean it can also though overextend us and it can have this maladaptive form of manifesting which is like I will take care of you before I take care of myself yeah and so when we think about boundaries as a deeper connection to our values versus I think this way that sometimes boundaries come up, which is cutting people off. I think that that is a healthier reframe for me and has been 
in my later 20s mm-hmm. <laughs> as I have had to in some friendships or and and not on the first try right like it is very much I've communicated this boundary what do you need from me it can become a conversation you don't have to have this kind of two-way street which is like what are you offering what are you offering okay it doesn't matter yeah. buy forever this isn't like a negotiation it can be it can be a conversation around yeah. what do you need as a friend to feel love this is what I need as a friend and I feel like people who truly love you and are not manipulators are not uh Social climbers are not people who... Narcissists. Narcissists. Yeah. They will, because they love you, they will honor that boundary. And I think for me, witnessing people honor my boundaries and not love me less because of them... Whoa. That was... That is called unconditional love. Right. Because even under the conditions, they still love you. They still love you. But um, no, I agree 100%. And I also think that, listen, the way that I go about boundary setting is sort of like staged and phased. Like there's like phases to it in terms of like when I have, I've learned that this is what happens now before I have to hit like a hard boundary with somebody and have like a serious conversation. Like I, when I initially set boundaries, it's not a conversation between me and like the other person. It's more of like a, I'm gonna just do this, see how they respond to it. Because they honestly might not give a shit. They might just like respect the boundary right off jump, save myself the sort of anxious conversation that I have to have and just sort of see like, oh, okay, like that's fine. I didn't have to like explicitly say, this is my boundary, can you not? If I do that, they've tested it a couple of times, but I also understand that it was never a conversation I had with them. Sure, we'll move it into the conversation around them. And even then, it's not like a this heavy-hearted, like, let's sit down and, like, talk about this behavior, whatever, whatever. It's still more of, like, a, if anything, very much so, like, in passing. Like, hey, can you not, because blah, 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 right now, thank you, right? And then, like, sometimes there are people that understand, like, if I've not said it, but they see the behavior that I'm putting in place to block it, and then I've sort of said it, even in a nonchalant way, that is usually, in my experience, for my friends, and maybe it's just because I am who I am, that has always been, like, enough. Like, yeah. usually they get it, and they're like, all right, Sean, that's just not something Sean wants or yeah. does. Um, but then there are always going to be people where they just don't catch the hint, or they just, like, are not picking up on it, whether it's because they are a narcissist and are worried about themselves, or maybe they just lack the ability to pick up on social cues, whatever the reason. Mm-hmm. Um, that you do have to have these larger conversations mm-hmm. with. But they shouldn't be scary because, again... They're conversations of love. They're conversations of love, and they should always be framed around the fact that you do love and care for this person and for that relationship or for that connection. And in order for it to continue or be maintained, these are the things that you're looking for. Yep. And you want to know how they feel about it. Yep. And if you frame things like that, I think that it takes a lot of the fear around boundary setting. I also understand that boundary setting is something that comes, ex- not extremely easy, but can come a lot easier to a man because of the way this country is, the way the world is set up, honestly, yep. when it comes to the patriarchy. Like, it's almost a given that a man should be able to, like, speak up in a room and say what they like and don't like, whatever. That sort of power and privilege isn't yep. given to women at all. Yeah. Um, and I know that. In my experience in life, like, I've talked to tons of um, women who have said, like, yeah, boundary setting comes easy for you, but that's not something that I necessarily feel um, empowered to do or ever, like, got that sort of message growing up. And I also just want to, like, give space to the fact that that is a thing. That's really helpful because I think that um, 
I've definitely had to be called in about boundaries before, but I, I feel like I navigate, and part of this, I think, relates to this kind of non-binary identity that I hold for myself, this, this queerness, this lived experience of my work around boundaries is generating them for myself versus, I, I think, I hope, crossing other people's. Mm. And I think that there may be people listening who absolutely don't need to have conversations with other people in their life out of love around creating boundaries, but checking in about, hey, are there boundaries that I've crossed within this relationship? Are there things that you wish that I did better to love you? Can I love you better? Those are conversations about boundaries, honestly, at the yeah. end of the day. And they, they can be framed in a lot of different ways, but that's kind of, I think, where that kind of comes from. And I appreciate what you're offering. Um, one of the articles I was reading um, was around relationship boundaries from a queer femme therapist. Her name's Brianna Shewan, and she names this specific thing. Within our patriarchal, femphobic, homophobic, biphobic, fatphobic, transphobic, xenophobic, racist, classist, ageist, ableist culture, people believe that feminized people's very existence is for the benefit of others, and fear emerges when we take up space of our own. This compounds our need to set boundaries and challenge the pushback we get when we do. Fems navigate relationships within this paradigm, and we often do this while working through our own internalized isms this article is so good y'all i'm definitely linking it it's so fucking good i literally copy and pasted like nine quotes from it it's so good um about boundaries but i i it's just to your point i think that we can know this and i i just love it also when someone puts it in a punchy <laughs> i love writing you know yeah um but i think it's also important to for us to consider because even if i hold a non-binary identity and you identify as cis there there is also this socialization of maleness that we've both experienced, mm -hmm. you know? And um, I think I also like to think about boundaries too in a variety of contexts, right? So it's not just things to talk about, but there's like emotional boundaries. There's time and energy boundaries. There's material boundaries. I don't want you to use my car. <laughs> like you're my roommate. You can't use my car. That could that's not just because I'm selfish. It's because I've watched you crash. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, there could be physical boundaries of like, please don't touch me there. I am not someone. I think that there's physical boundaries are really easy to understand in COVID times. I think that I have had my boundaries pushed by people who I love, who have just come up to me and given me a hug. Mm -hmm. uh, one example is actually one time we were at Rooster and it was crowded. And so we decided to go to another side where there, where we could socially distance and we went walking on a beach and I ran into someone who I had not seen in so long and all I wanted to do was give them a hug that's all I wanted to do and they asked me hey are you hugging right now is that something that you're doing and I was like no I'm really sorry and they're like that's okay but I was like we both want that it's so cool that thank you for asking and then someone two seconds later who did not hear that conversation came up and gave me a hug <laughs> like oh, yeah. and it was a very funny thing around how we are navigating these conversations but I think your other friend was just like you bitch <laughs> well, like, <laughs> I, I just kind of made one of those like I, I, I'm not consenting to this but I'm also not maybe it's a while it's a firm boundary if I get consent I'm also not going to like push you away push you away and like be like don't fucking touch me you yeah. know like but that's also my experience you know i think people have the absolute right to freak out if you touch them and you've been told not to you know mm -hmm. or um i think i think that boundaries are a great thing when we used to go clubbing i think that a lot of older 
queer or no mm-mm, gay men have a problem with boundaries sometimes and part of that comes from oh my God. cruising culture yeah being very touch oriented and being a lot of gay clubs especially were it was the space where you could bump into a man's ass or touch a man's ass and you wouldn't get punched for it you know i think that maybe we should reconsider how times have changed and maybe even back then it wasn't the best practice but i think that there's a lot of gay men who feel very entitled to anyone's bodies i think men in general feel entitled to people's bodies that i think exploring and naming boundaries within those men can helpfully maybe like why don't we say don't fucking touch me all the time because like we we're we're scared that that man will be embarrassed and then hurt me Mm-hmm. And, oh, God, how dare we hurt a man's ego? That is always the highest concern, as opposed to the concern over my own bodily autonomy. It's a crime, honestly. It's a crime to well, hurt a man's It is ego. literally a crime. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> That wasn't a joke. That was serious. Right. Um, yeah, no, I get what you're saying 100%. And I think that when you have an entire gender sex that does not respect at times most times like people's boundaries Mm -hmm. again you get to this point where you realize well no wonder why it's so hard for some people to set boundaries because if they are setting these boundaries and people are still just choosing to ignore them then it sort of makes you reluctant to set more or it discourages you you know and i mean we can take this in that direction where like some women can set boundaries all day and if a man is just like I don't give a fuck and it's like doing what they want to do whether that's physically taking shape with like sexual assault or rape or even just like I don't know on the job like I have to pick up my kid at this time like this is what it has to be to create a work-life balance and you have a manager or a boss who's just like I don't give a fuck. Like, I want you to work later or you just don't have this job anymore. Like, that's an issue in and of itself. I wanted to take it in the direction of parents just because I feel like... Oh, my God. I have absolutely had to set boundaries with my parents that because of the... And again, this is this complex system of the type of relationships you have in your life, like sort of the power dynamics related to, to things. But I think the same thing can be said about parents. There's automatically a power dynamic where they, no matter how old they are and how young you are or how old you are, they always consider themselves to be the one sort of in power just because they birthed you or brought you into this world. Mm -hmm. And setting boundaries with parents, I think more so than any other relationship is this very scary, difficult, time-consuming, exhausting thing to do because you're not just teaching them to respect a boundary you were literally remolding and reshaping that the the form of that relationship from like scratch and like listen again as an only kid that like had his mother raise him and and it was a black household where it's very much so do what i say or you can catch these hands Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like all right like when it hit an age where a like getting spanked or whooped or grounded isn't even a thing anymore it's like what's the worst you're gonna do like mm-hmm. just not talk to me for like a couple of months because you got mad fine mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly but um just sort of reshaping that relationship with yeah. parents is like interesting and it's not an easy thing and they don't 
catch they're not gonna understand it the first time the no. second time the third time it's going to take it is taking me and we're still working on it years to get to a point where it's like you need to acknowledge certain things for us to move on past that so that i can set this boundary so that we can now operate moving forward in a way that does work for both of us yeah yeah i am um... <clears throat> I feel like I have like 92 things running through my head, some of them really empowering, some of them deeply sad. And so I just am like sitting with that. And I think the first thing I want to touch on is you're exactly right that boundaries always exist in relationship to power, mm-hmm. whether that's perceived power or actual power. And part of our personal power that can come with boundaries is making the very painful decision of holding people accountable to them. Mm-hmm. And like, whether it's someone who says that they love us continuously not honoring our boundaries, people are going to take all the time if they know they can take. Whether that's your boss who, oh, you're going to work 60 hours every week? Well, why the hell would I tell you to stop? You have to be the one that says, I might lose my job, but I am losing my sanity and I need to tell you I am speaking to power and holding a boundary. You're giving away your power the more that you're not speaking up for yourself. Yeah. And holding people and accountable holding to people accountable. the boundary that you are offering, whether that's unspoken or spoken. You know, like I think uh, written boundaries are laws, yeah. <laughs> you know, and there yeah. are labor laws. And like, yet the unspoken boundary is like, or the unspoken thing about power is that it takes so much for a worker to hold their company accountable that that level of accountability and the amount of work and time and energy and money that has to go in to hold that prevents workers from holding their power accountable. But within parents, I think I... Honestly, I I want to have a deeper conversation at some point. I just don't think I'm ready yet on this podcast around my relationship with my parents. I I touch on it a lot. Specifically within boundaries, this is where I am right now. And it's Mm -hmm. like, it's painful. It's like, I have been living a life where my boundaries have never been respected. Honored. Ever. You know? And in my adult life trying to do exactly what you're doing which is like hey mom and dad i love you a lot you've treated me like shit i would like it if we could enter into a new relationship that honors the love that you say you have for me that looks a little like this and my parents have not been able to step into that space and Mm -hmm. the boundary that i have finally held for the first time in my life which wrecks me with guilt. It grabs my insides and twists it inside when I hold them accountable by not talking to them. Like, I have said, like, I'm not going to have a relationship with you if you don't treat me the way that I deserve to be treated, you know? And while I feel so much better, (laughs) despite getting teary, like, while I feel so much better and less of my headspace is now filled with things that my parents offer me which are not healthy I'm now left with this kind of uh, emptiness is the wrong word Uh, it's more like um, because I also have grown up with those things around 
what parents mean to people <laughs> and there's like a birthright that they get to me which is power over me yeah. like, like that is like in my own queer liberation I'm like wait that's not true like we are both adults now and we can make decisions to be in each other's lives yeah what do you need for me to be loved this is what I need to feel loved oh you don't want to give me that okay well I guess I'll not see you <laughs> like, yeah. you know it's like and that but that holding accountable that that boundary is something that um it's hard it's difficult and I think that when we're having these conversations and while they may seem kind of like well I don't think that we are I I know that some conversations around boundaries can seem pithy or they can seem like um good word thank you um <laughs> uh, they can seem um like, I don't want people to walk away from this conversation holding shame for not holding boundaries. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, like they're because that's not true. We are working against systems upon systems upon systems that do not want us to hold boundaries. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because holding boundaries again gives you some sense of control and power yes. over your own life. And duh, I think we all know at this point that systems were not set up to give people power. Like it right. just, if that hasn't, if that has not right. like clicked for you in life at this point, like I don't know what life you're living. Like yep. life is not set up. I mean, again, maybe if you are a cisgender white, like straight male, like mm -hmm. sure the system is set up for you and like you are, you embody power just from being born. And right. like, therefore you probably don't have a hard time setting boundaries or right. might be looking at this conversation just like, I don't understand what the big deal is, but like, it's not true for most people. And obviously this podcast is um, centered around queer experiences and queer stories. And I think a lot of those stories are about us not having ever having control or power over our lives or to dictate what our, the, the shape that our lives take. Mm -hmm. And then even more so on top of all of that, to be able to go back to sort of the source of your life and reconstruct what that looks like. Yes. Um, a, that all that shit is heavy, but yeah. then like- It's work. It's work. And the, that's why it took me going to therapy to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like, and the first step of all of that work is you getting to a place where you feel empowered to set up your life in a way that like is going to work for you. Right. And I understand it takes a lot, like even before you start setting the boundaries, you can come up with boundaries all day in your head. But like the first step of actually acting on that and whether that's having the conversation, whether it's holding people accountable, whether it's, I ain't saying punishing, but like there being some sort of consequence or outcome, let's just call it an outcome because consequence has this negative connotation to it there yeah. being an outcome attached to what happens when people do and do not yes. respect your boundaries all of that like the first step in all of that is you sitting down with yourself and really 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 empowering yourself yeah. and just like knowing that a life is gonna go on like yeah. i promise you it will like yeah. you're gonna set these boundaries some people are gonna love it some people are gonna hate it some people are gonna be very nonchalant and not give a fuck right. and just be like sure i don't care like thanks for telling me you have to be so secure in yourself and who you are to approach each one of those conversations and relationships and believe in yourself and to really like sit there and like stand true to it. Yeah. And I almost guarantee you nine times out of 10, that level of confidence and like belief in yourself 
will turn people around every single time. In that moment, maybe not, but over time, like people absolutely start to respect your boundaries because you respect yourself. Right. And it's honestly, it can sound like a cliche, but it's been sometimes that simple for me. If I can show that I respect my own boundaries and that I'm not backing down on this and there is an outcome tied to this, people start listening. Right. Like they really do, especially people that aren't used to boundaries. Right. Like they really will start to pay attention, but you have to be consistent and you have to respect yourself for that to happen. That kind of stuff doesn't just happen on a fluke because people feel sorry for you or like just of their own volition want to give you that boundary. To your point, Maddie, like people are going to take and take and take as much as you let them and as much as you give them. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to be a dick or an asshole. Sometimes you do, but you don't always have to be a dick or an asshole and just be like... I'm setting this boundary and approach it with this from this place of fear and anger. Like, again, as long as you're respecting yourself and approaching these boundaries with people from a place of love and from caring about the relationship. Right. And caring about yourself. And about yourself. I hope, I would hope that it releases some of that yeah. um, stress and tension around it. And I, I appreciate that so much. But And what it's making me think about is, you know, I think if we start to engage in boundaries especially if it's something that is not something that comes natural to us engaging in the practice of boundaries which also implies that you might mess up sometimes Mm -hmm. you get better at it over time allow yourself forgiveness there but um that as we engage in boundaries which are really so important to identity formation like what i mean by that is the more boundaries we set, the more we figure out what we do like, what we don't like, what works for us, what doesn't. And as we build those things up, we then become the person that we choose to be based on what we allow and don't allow in Mm -hmm. our lives. And one reason I think, you know, the sort of cis white maleness, hetero maleness doesn't have to do that is because when we think about, I quote, identity politics, we're not always talking about that identity because everything's made for that identity yeah and so coming up against it and creating boundaries for our own sense of identity and figuring out who we are does challenge power you know and i think it also what you're speaking to reminded me of the ways that we have a fucked up relationship to the word and concept of selfish Mm -hmm. in our culture i think that it has this negative connotation related to narcissism and, you know, uh, not caring about other people. When I think that there is certain times where selfishness is survival. And I think that there is certain times where selfishness needs to be translated into self-love and a critical action, sometimes radical action, of prioritizing my own mental health and well-being. Yeah. And obviously there's going to be times, like I said, where we've got to practice this because if you're setting boundaries to get a certain type of reaction or response from someone to 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 test people, to get them riled up or whatever, that's that's not healthy. That is yeah. that's another form of manipulation. And Listen, that's not even that. boundary setting. That is just straight up manipulation. Yeah, you're, you're just... coercing an outcome. Yeah. But I think that um, you know, I think that we've done a really beautiful job of holding some of the nuance here today. I think one of the reasons this came up for both of us, I think, is I saw a meme at least that said empathy without boundaries is self-destruction. Ooh! And I know. 
And it feels very... That fucked me up. It's very meme and yes, and it, like, hit me. I was like, fuck. Yeah? It, if we are have natural inclinations to care for people... Other ways that this has been said is, like, this culture of self-care. Or, like, if you can't fill up someone else's cup if yours is empty. I like Gross. the phrasing of... <laughs> I like the phrasing of this better just because... It's not only that, you know, you don't have something to offer, it's that it will destroy you. Yeah. Because people will take. And I think that it's important to just think about your values, think about what you need, and start communicating that for your own longevity. For all my empaths out there, because I just recently learned that I am one. Um, for real, that's a real ass thing. Like, I, that has literally been what the last year of therapy has been for me has been learning where we call it like uh protective strategies mm -hmm. but that's the, i mean when we're actually going through it it's like oh it's just it's just boundaries mm -hmm. it's just like either boundaries i'm setting for myself like uh again what this brought up for me and to your point like while we're talking about boundaries more is like it's been a long week for me like at work and stuff mm -hmm. not in a bad way just like so much stuff is going on to the point where I had to start sort of compartmentalizing like parts of my life and sort of like even dialogue and communication with like friends and like family and loved ones and just like relationships overall. Um, and I had to toy with the idea earlier this week of just like, is this a bad thing that I'm like setting up my life this way so that I can just like function for the week? And it's just like, no, I don't think so because at the end of the day, now I'm not angry at anybody. Like, this is, nobody's catching, like, mad Sean or, like, mm -hmm. over it Sean or, like, mm -hmm. Sean who just, like, has shut down completely and doesn't want to talk. Mm -hmm. Like, now everybody's getting the best version of me. Granted, like, it's because I'm having to, like, set this up this way, but I have to do that to protect myself and protect the relationships and protect my job and, like, protect right. all of it. And now I get to sit here on this Sunday with you with, like, a smile on my face and, like, not be stressed the fuck out because, yeah. like, I overextended myself for an entire week trying to, like, make everybody okay except myself. Yeah. Self-preservation is important. It's great. All right. Well, I think that's enough because this episode is getting long. And as always, we could sit here forever and talk about any topic True. for days. So, Do you want to take a deep breath in and out before we move on? No. I want to breathe quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. We're almost ready to come back again. All right, let's wrap this thing up with our last two segments. The first of which being take your meds. Take your meds. What meds are you taking this week? Oof. Okay. Um, it's a little bit. It's a little bit complicated. I'm gonna try and just zoom, zoom through it. Um. I received a very late night DM from, oh, uh, no, it, <laughs> different direction, very okay. different direction. All right, Damn. um, a high school peer, who, um, hmm, they essentially reached out for help, and it was like, um, I'm not having a good time, and it's one of those messages where you're like, okay. You know, I've opened it, and it's in Instagram, so it shows I've read it. If I just set my phone down, I'm an asshole, right? And the problem wasn't that I didn't care. The problem was that I was high. I was just, like, stoned. Oh, I hate when that happens. And I was like, oh, this is serious. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. this is serious. And um, we just had a cool mini conversation over text, and that was a boundary that I set. I was like, 
I can't call because I would have like I would have sounded high, you know. Like, <laughs> oh, you were that high. That I just sounded. No, well, I was also I was about to go to sleep. I mean, I, I was a late okay. DM, you know what I mean. And I I just happened to look at my phone, and we kind of worked out a little plan to make sure that they felt okay. And I made sure to like check in with them the next day, and like you know, I had not talked to this person years. I have not seen this person in years, like decades, at least 10 years. Ooh. And why is this my meds? This person decided to trust me. That was something that made me feel good. Also, post this, we had some conversations about our experiences in high school and they offered me, this is why it's actually my meds. They offered me a reframe for how I existed in high school. I think I have a very troubled like memory of mm-hmm. it and I have a very bad view of myself as like a bully and like, you know, that the bullied kid that bullies to like talk shit and gossip and like just that kind of faggy bullshit, you know? Mm-hmm. And I hold that guilt in my head over whatever. And this person just offered me like you offered me they told me about the specific instance of kindness that i offered them that they i had completely forgotten about and they were like i literally think about that all the time and i was like i am not trying to tell someone's business or like you know i'm just naming i went down this rabbit hole with someone that i could have very easily been like i we're not in each other's lives anymore this is not my problem not that I wanted to do that. I'm just saying that as an option I could have mm-hmm. taken. And it led me to both watching someone make cool choices from afar, seeing someone that I used to care about succeed, <laughs> and then also offering compassion to my teenage self that I just like, if I had not engaged in that, I would have never encountered. And like, I don't know. It was cool. It was cool for me. And I am glad that they're okay. I uh, you learned that you were the actually the Katie Heron and not the Regina George. <laughs> I was definitely both. Um, <laughs> what are some of your meds? Mine pales in comparison to that. I'm just going to talk about this cool ass backpack my mom got me for my birthday. <laughs> I, I Look at it. it. It's so cute. Oh, that's a sexy bag. It's from Cos. Um, you know, COS. COS. Yes. <laughs> it's cute though. I like it. Thank cute. you, mom. You did a good job. It's a for those listening. It's a like square leather bag with um, a zip. Uh, that kind of looks like a lip versus like a round thing and it has some leather straps Ooh, it's got even a back pocket as well it, it's got that it's got the kind of like biker um, like a, a biking backpack vibe but it is very office chic urban commuter it's very cute wow that was like um, you know <laughs> home shopping network or like was it oh, JVC sure. It's like that on our podcast. Anyone that wants me to do that, I will do that for them. Send us products and we'll, we'll oh, have Maddie yeah. describe them. Oh, yeah. Are you a queen with a business? I'll, I'll sell your shit for you. Honestly, I was a very good salesman. I'm really great at it. So I believe it. Um, all right. Let's wrap up for real. Homework for you out there after last week's very exhilarating homework of masturbating in front of a mirror. Very serious business. We're going to flip it up. We're going to do some journaling. Um... Obviously, this episode was about boundaries, so here's what I want you all to do. Um, You know it already. Just contemplate, meditate, just think a little bit on 
a relationship and a boundary you've been wanting to set up or have a conversation around. And then I'm not gonna ask you to go do it. I know that's what you thought I was gonna say. I want you to think a little bit more about your resistance to doing it and why you haven't yet. And there's no, this is journaling, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just about you being honest and real with yourself because if you can do that, then you can maybe start to pick apart um, that resistance and then actually do the thing at some point. Um, so yeah, just think about a relationship and a boundary you've been wanting to set up in that relationship, whether it be physically, I mean, it could literally be, I'm tired of my roommate, <laughs> to Maddie's example earlier, touching my shit and I want them to stop and I don't know why I haven't told them yet. Mm-hmm. Or it could be something a lot more serious, like my man keeps cheating on me and I don't know why I keep letting him. Or um, <laughs> my parents still talk to me like shit and I don't know why. Well, I know why. I don't know why I haven't done anything about it. So just think about it and pick apart, you know, what that resistance is about. And it'll get you a step closer to actually setting up that boundary. I love that. Thank you. Um, friends, we reached the end. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at QBT Pod. Don't forget to subscribe and share. Thank you to Marquis and Shanti Darling for letting us use their music. And big thank you to Allie Kiltz for helping us with editing. Good luck with those boundaries, babes. We love ya. Happy coming out day. Happy mental health day. All that happened this week. It's a week later now that you're hearing it. I don't know what I said. <laughs> like, <it>. what? <laughs> um, oops, okay. I love you. Bye. Bye. Trying to talk slick all up in my ear and shit. <laughs>